This is Bloomberg Business Week from Bloomberg Radio. I'm Jason Kelly. Welcome to the Bloomberg Business Week Extra. It's a podcast where we bring you an in-depth interview you won't hear anywhere else. This time around, I'm talking to Tillman Fertitta. He's the owner of the Rockets. He's the chairman of Landry's, owner of a bunch of restaurants across the country. And he's got a new book. It's called Shut Up and Listen. Check it out. So, Tillman, great to have you here. What inspires you to write a book, and candidly, a book this pointed? The title alone, Shut Up and Listen, with the exclamation point, what inspired this? You know, it's really interesting. Uh, HarperCollins came to me about 18 months ago and said, hey, Tillman, we've watched your television show. We we see you on all these business shows, and, and, uh, and now we've seen some stuff with the Houston Rockets. We read all these articles, and you have all these Tillmanisms and all these one-liners about how you've been very fortunate and been successful and the tools that you use to be successful. Uh, have you thought about writing a book? And I said, you know, people come to me all the time about writing a life story, and I've always said, i got to wait till I get a little older because right. I really want to go after some people, but I'm still out there doing deals. They said, that is not what we want. We want a book totally focused in a silo of, of uh, what do you do day to day? What separates you from everybody else in, in your big hospitality entertainment empire? And so that's what happened. They, you know, did the outline, and we had a lot of fun with it. Right. And so what was the biggest surprise to you in, in writing the book? Because there is a little, there's some introspection in here. There's, you know, some some reflection in terms of understanding what what makes yourself tick. I mean, a book is sort of a form of therapy in, in some ways of realizing sort of who you are. What what was surprising to you? What, 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 what got me was when I started sitting down and looking at old notes and had, uh, you know, round tables with my employees had been with me 25 and 30 years uh the stuff that i had even forgotten that i said gosh this is a great lesson again even for me but but also the time that we put into it uh even even harper collins said the amount of time that you've gone through this book and then after it was written the editing and the editing and the editing that i would take my team and we just go through the book and if i said if you ever get to a paragraph that you feel like is dragging we're going to rewrite that paragraph paragraph or we're going to take it out right because i want this book bang 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 that every word means something in this book well and i'm glad you brought that up because one of the things that really jumps out to me as i read it is your incredible attention i I might even say obsession with detail you tell some stories about i mean really getting into it Uh, you know there's one anecdote about you know going into a kitchen and you you realize that the busboy has been throwing the silverware away. And so, like, you dump it out, and you are going piece by piece through the garbage to pick out the silverware. Is that just a natural instinct that you have to be that detail-oriented, or is it something you learned? It, it, believe it or not uh, – it's it's just the way I am, and and I went to a, a, a fr- one of my best friends' house, the CEO of Jeffries here in New York, uh, Rich Handler, and he was having a party for all these next leaders on Wall Street. So they weren't just from his company, but from a lot. And there, I walk in, and the bartender sitting there, and I order a. a, a, a Tito's and soda and two limes, a dash of cranberry, and he goes, I'm sorry, sir, we're out of uh, lime. Uh, okay, let me have a little cranberry. Uh, I'm sorry, 
the cranberries at the other bar out there. And so I had to give him a little lesson in service <laughs> on the side. Right. And, and uh, kind of gave him a hard time when I talked about everybody. But then I wrote him a nice book, a note, and gave him a signed book. But it's just I can't help but train people yeah. and just say, this is what you're doing today. I don't care that you're studying to be an actor, but take pride and respect and do your job good, okay? Right. And stop telling the damn customer no, right. okay? And that's a big focus in my book. I'm glad you said that because that was something that really jumped out at me, especially it seems very 2019 when all of us are looking for reasons to say no, you essentially say, start with yes and then figure it out. I'm paraphrasing, but tell me a little bit about that. It, it's just no matter who you talk to or who you ask or whatever, it just seems like if you just tell somebody no, they just move on. And I try to train all of my people, take no out of your vocabulary. You don't have to say yes, okay, but you don't have to say no. And, I, and I'm tired of using you know this one example, but I I think it really explains it better than anything else. It's 11.02 in the morning. You just got off of a business call. You're on a road trip, and you call downstairs to order some breakfast from the hotel. Uh, I'm sorry, sir. Uh, we don't serve breakfast anymore. And you go, okay, that's fine. I understand. I don't want a Eggs Benedict or a Spanish omelet. Just throw a couple of eggs into a skillet and, right. and, and uh, scramble them real quick and uh, send them up to me. I'm sorry, sir, we don't serve breakfast anymore. It's 11.02. We quit that at 11 o'clock. But if I order a hamburger, you're going to take that hamburger patty and throw it into the skillet. The eggs, I promise you, are sitting right there in the refrigerator, too. It's so easy to say no. Why say yes? What happened to hospitality? Right. And it, we're all in the hospitality business. No matter if I'm in here with you and you're taking care of me because I'm your guest, or if you're a doctor, or a lawyer, or anything you do, we're all in the hospitality and service business. Why have we lost that? I, I don't know. It's it's like it's just the time and age that we're in, and everybody just wants to say no. And and uh, it's really disappointing. Right. So I try to beat it in my company that you do not tell a customer no. You don't have to say yes, but you don't say no. You just give them a roadmap to get wherever they need to get somehow. All right. So with that incredible attention to detail, I know you know the numbers of your business better than anyone. You point that out in your book that that's a key tenet for you is knowing the numbers. Given that, Tell us about the consumer right now, because I feel like we have a lot of evidence that the consumer is feeling pretty good. But at the same time, business leaders, you talk to them as well, they're a little cautious. Help me understand that dichotomy or that disconnect. Well, you have to know your numbers. And I can talk to anybody about their business. They can walk up to me and say, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. I have this company. And in a truly... 60 to 90 seconds, I can tell you if they know what they're talking about and is their business going to be successful because if they know their numbers or not. I mean, you can just rapid fire, and I loved it. I love doing it on my on my uh, television show, uh, Billion Dollar Buyer. And, and the world is a little soft right now, but you've got to remember that history repeats itself. That's the one thing we know. And every five to six years, there's always a little bleep. And and we've gone now ten years that it we have our economy has just been strong as it can be, but the problem is you can only keep growing so fast every year, and then it has to label off, level off because everybody's already bought all the cars they're going to buy, all the TVs they're going to buy, all the books they're going to buy sometimes, and and uh, it's just leveling off right now. Now that doesn't mean it's got to go down, and you and and are you going to have the the growth? 
maybe not, but as long as you don't go negative, mm-hmm. okay, it, it'll tremendously help us. But it's definitely soft out there because I see the consumer because I have the highest end in Mastro's and Martin's, and then I own Bubba Gump's and Rainforest and, and stores like that. And then with casinos everywhere from Vegas to Atlantic City to in between outside of Houston. So I have a really good feel for the consumer because I do over 100 million customers a year out of my businesses. Right. And and so where do you see pockets of, of worry among those consumers? Are people starting to sort of scale back on the high end or does that feel good? Are people starting to scale back in the middle? Where are if, – if there is that sort of softening, as you say, where is it? It's a little bit everywhere. You see a little bit at the high end and a little bit in the consumer going to certain suburban stores where I see that with more of my salt grasses and, and, and uh, concepts like that. And it's not bad. Don't get me wrong, okay? But you just – you're not getting that 1% to 2%, 3% positive same store sales mm. every year which the business people out there all know is a huge measurement in, in any consumer business and so as you think about the new concepts that that you have launched which are the ones that have surprised you on the upside or or, or the downside uh it, it's kind of unbelievable right now that people really love the the fast casual and then they love the super high end yeah. uh you know right here in new york uh the Catch, you know, the seafood restaurant. We sure. just opened a catch steak. The Mastro's still heavy, heavy, busy, busy. Uh, Martin's busy, busy. But then I still see, you know, Bubba Gump on Times Square, you know, just killing it. And Dos Caminos and, and Bill's Burgers, you know. How in the world do you do so much business selling burgers? But there's really somebody uh, to eat everything out there, believe it or not. <laughs> right, right. Well, speaking of which, you, you mentioned burgers, which gives me a good opening. One of the things I, I really wanted to ask you about is this whole sort of faux meat craze because you understand the consumer. It feels like this has just come on so strong. What does that tell us about consumers' desire either for something healthy, something different? How do you read that sort of pop with a Beyond Meat on the stock market and what seems to be a lot of excitement, if nothing else? Well, I think as all companies, I think Wall Street also is starting to realize is that we don't just want revenue like the tech companies and even the tech companies now, how they've kind of thrown up certain ones. and and uh, but 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 investors want earnings now it's not you're just not going to do it on hype of revenue you're going to have to make money yeah. and 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 the, we're a fast changing society and i preach as much as anybody change change thank change which i talk about in my book it's one of my tillmanisms but at the same time when you analyze everybody oh my god it's it's i'm going to eat a beyond meat burger because because uh, it's it's healthier. Well, maybe it is healthier in one way, right. but people don't even look to see that I th- your average 80-20% protein fat burger is, I think, 230 calories, and a Beyond Meat burger is 270 calories. Right. Right. And it's it's almost like through through marketing and media and just talking about it that people really don't know. And and now, but some people who don't want to eat meat, well, now you've got this alternative. But right. that doesn't mean it's necessarily healthier. Right. It's just maybe because that's that you don't want to eat meat. Yeah. Okay. But it's not proven necessarily that it's healthier. So look around the corner in terms of new concepts. What are people wanting more of that's not out there from a food perspective? <sighs> 
choices, just lots of, of choices like that, you know, that I there there's a lot of people that say people aren't going to eat meat in 300 years. I, I find that hard to believe. Uh, why are steak? We're still a steak and potatoes world, okay? Yeah. I sell so many different steaks at so many different concepts, and as much as the, people love seafood and, and other items, and, and there's so many people now eating vegan and or whatever, but there just still seems as as long as you have people, you're going to have each type of people and group of people liking different types of food. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you mentioned your casino business, and I do wonder. It feels like we've had a lot of M and A activity or potential M and A activity out in the sort of real estate, hotel, and even the casino world. Some rumors about some things going on uh, out in Vegas. What do you see in terms of the the movement in that part of the industry? I think as all industries, there continues to be lots of mergers and acquisitions and, and some companies getting bigger, some getting smaller. Uh, the, the Opco, Propco, and, you know, I don't want to get too far over, you know, the, the, the viewer's head here, but, but you know, where people monetize their real estate yeah. and, and uh, you know, sometimes I'm really for that and sometimes I'm against it. <laughs> but, but it's kind of changed the world because it's raised the multiples of what you have to pay. Right. So what are you looking to buy right now? Is it restaurant concepts? Is it other things in hospitality? You've got a blank check company, I, I believe, that, that you launched. What, what are you seeing out there in terms of potential acquisition? Well, it, it's kind of funny, and, and, and I talk about this in the book, is I've always used when things start slowing down as an opportunistic time. And even right now, uh, I, I, I just bought a, a, a very successful restaurant company out of bankruptcy. Uh, I'm, I'm going to probably announce another major restaurant acquisition that I've been working on all week, even though I'm on this book road show. So I'm seeing the opportunity out there. Hmm. And, and it has nothing to do with the success of the individual restaurants. The re- individual restaurants are, are, are very successful. It's just the fact that, once again, uh, the old Peter principle, poor management has done a very poor job in, in how they set up the capital structure mm-hmm. of these restaurants, or they just did certain major mistakes at the corporate level. So therefore, it's a very opportunistic time for me, because that's how I've always grown my network, right. is in bad times. That's why you build liquidity and you build your balance sheet in good times, and you don't have to do acquisitions in your good times. You eat the weak in the bad times. Right. Well, and you point out early in the book, you point out the importance of working capital and sort of having that money uh, available, not just to run your business, but but also to, as you say, take advantage of. Why, why some pay of a huge multiple when everybody's trying to do it? Why not wait until there's a dip in the economy, which always happens, yeah. and and you get a lot more for your money. All right. So speaking of buying things, you bought a basketball team not too long ago in your home town. What's that been like? What surprised you? I keep asking you about the surprises, but uh, what surprised you about being a team owner? Uh, You know, sports is religion. And and uh, especially in Texas, especially in Texas, <laughs> but really everywhere. Yeah. And and even though uh, you know, like I said, I've I've been doing TV and things for twenty five years. Okay. Anything that you say, you, you all of a sudden you could be a headline on ESPN. Yep. And and it, and it's you know. 
well, how was James and Chris Paul's relationship? You, everything, you've got to be exactly careful or it, it's not there. How are Russell Westbrook and James Harden going to play together now? So, so uh, sports is religion, religion. You better choose your words right. Right. Uh, <laughs> and so as you've gotten religion around the Rockets and the NBA, you seem to be in the midst of what, by all accounts, is one of the most interesting Leagues. It's funny. I was talking to my – I have two teenage sons. I was talking to them last night, told them I was going to see you today. And my 16-year-old said, you got to ask him about the modern NBA player, social media, social consciousness. As an owner, how do you sort of embrace that and give them the room to be the brands that they are but also run a successful team? You know, that's really such a such – a, um uh, your 16-year-old is very smart because the NBA is unlike the other leagues that you have these players. And, and I don't know this for a fact, but I think I'm right. I bet you if you look at your top 50 most followed athletes in the United States, because there's some out in, in, uh, in Europe, the soccer sure. players that have huge followers. But in the United States, if you're four major leagues, football, basketball, baseball, and, and, and the NHL, I bet you 45 of the top 50 are NBA players yeah. that they have built this this where they're so big and part of it is there's only five guys out there starting they're not wearing a helmet they're not wearing a hat the fan sits right there next to them you get to know their personality uh where these football players had even been around for 15 and 18 years in the league these quarterbacks you just never get to know them like you do a basketball player. Right. And and the NBA has done such a great job, and I just came from an NBA owners meeting just a few minutes ago, is of, of propping up our players. Your players are superstars, and, and, and they, they do have say-so on these teams because – I've got a guy like James Harden, okay? I'm not going to bring in a Chris Paul or a Russell Westbrook with, without sitting down with James Harden and say, James, can you make it work with this guy? Yeah. Okay? Be, be, you just got to have it because there's only five of you, okay? Right. And you're the guys that are going to make it happen. And so I think part of it is – because they're so close to the fans, and that's why they have the huge social media followings, and they become such superstars, and they make so much money that the top ones in our league, you know, make forty million. I got two of them making forty million, and and then they have these huge shoe contracts from Nike and Adidas and Under Armour and everybody else, and and uh, it's 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 uh it's it's interesting, but uh, they're all great guys, and and uh, it's a great thrill to own a team in your hometown town. Very few owners even get to experience that. Right, right. How's it changed sort of your day-to-day life moving around Houston? Do you have people, I mean, you're well-known already and a restaurateur and an entrepreneur, but when you own the team, that's a little bit of a different thing. And the Rockets are big in, no, in it, Houston. No, they are. But from I, I'm probably the, the, the one owner that when they bought their team in their hometown, uh, I mean, it was like they would run polls. Who do we want to buy the Rockets? Well, it, you know, 70% said Tillman Fertitta just because I happened to to have been around so long in my hometown yeah. and, and was so, so well known. Uh, did it take it uh, to another level? Probably so. And everybody's so nice all the time, but also just won 65 and 53 games. I'm going to have to be hiding if I only ever win 33 games. Exactly. (laughs) What's the biggest thing you've learned from owning a team that you apply back to your uh, day-to-day business? 
Well, I probably it's more of what I apply to to, to the, the other in the NBA team is is that you still pay attention to the detail. There are no spare customers. Uh, if you don't put a good product out there, there's too much entertainment dollar in the city of Houston. They're going to go do something else. Right. So I treat the same thing, whether it be one of my hotels, casinos, restaurant seats, or putting people at a rocket game at the Toyota Center. Right. You better put butts in the seats, and you better put a good product. It's kind of funny, but it's no different than the rest of my businesses. Yeah. Instead. Instead of serving good food or giving them a nice room, you better have good players out there who produce and have a good team or people are not going to come. And, you know, it's kind of funny. I'm into the details. I I was walking uh, last year one time and they were having their pre-meeting of all the red coats who help customers or do whatever. And I stopped them for a minute and and talked to them because I love to teach and train and just, you know, reminded them that that people are lost. People don't understand. Be patient and, and let people walk away from the Toyota Center and say, Everybody is so nice there, right. okay. And you just have to remind everybody that that we're we're in the in the hospitality business. No matter if you're sitting at one of my tables or sleeping, or you're in the Toyota Center, right? Uh, you have been very opportunistic, as you say, in your day to day hospitality businesses. Are you planning to be opportunistic as more sports franchises uh, come up for sale? Uh, would I love to own more sports for sure? Yeah. Okay. I love sports. Uh, I think the NFL and MLB and NHL and the MLS are great products, and and there's never been a sports team for sell for less. So I think long term investments. I don't think there's anything any better. Right. So you could you could expand. There. I would love to expand yeah. if the opportunity is there. Right. Uh, before I let you go, Houston, uh, your hometown is such an interesting sort of economic hotbed in many ways. It's a much more diverse economy. You and I were talking about this before we came on air. Uh, then maybe people give it credit for. What's the feel in Houston right now? Obviously, Aramco and all of that going on in the Middle East, I'm sure, uh, capture a lot of people's attention. But you think about the medical center, you think about just the breadth of the city. What's the temperature in Houston right now economically? Well, it's kind of interesting because when oil went from uh – you know, around 100 to down to the 30s and 40s. Uh, and now, you know, it's been kind of in the 50s now for a long, long time. Uh, I, I said on in this building and another studio said, uh, if oil hits 30 in Houston, you can just shut it down. Well, I can tell you I was wrong. Okay, yeah. Houston has just built right through it. They're still building so many apartments, office buildings, uh, malls, shopping centers, lifestyle centers, and, and restaurants and hotels. And uh, it hasn't stopped. So it shows the diversification now of the, uh, of the Houston economy. And at the same time, developers have realized that, gosh, going to Houston and buying a piece of property for 50 to to $100 to $200 a foot is much better than trying to buy it in, up east for yeah. $500 a foot. So the opportunity cost in Houston, it gets back to the opportunity cost and being opportunistic is much better in Houston than other markets. Favorite thing about writing this book? Uh, reminding myself, and, and I have so many people that, that have said, hey, would you mentor me or teach me or whatever? It is all in this book, and it is a quick read, two and a half, three hours, and and uh, I've yet to meet somebody that read the book that when they saw me didn't say, I put the book down and wrote notes right then because I went and did that in yeah. my business. Or it's somebody just trying to grow the corporate ladder. Right. It's really simply written. And that was Tillman Fertitta, owner of the Rockets, restaurateur, and now author of the book, 
shut up and listen. You've been listening to Bloomberg Business Week Extra. Be sure to tune in to Bloomberg Business Week Radio Live Monday through Friday at 2 p.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Radio. I'm Jason Kelly. This is Bloomberg.